two and one. The man behind Grapple Fest himself, Mr. Thompson. How you doing, my friend? How are you getting on? All good, mate. All good. Are you excited for the upcoming event? It looks absolutely mega. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're raising the bar with this one a little bit. We're, um, you know, we decided. Listen, it's time to up the ante, and uh, you know, really go for it. Really make a big push in 2022. So good to get back at the end of uh, end of last year in the, in the November one. Uh, you know, after you know, just just a bloody nightmare of a couple of years for everybody, wasn't it? Uh, so we managed to get a good, a real big show on, and then hopefully this one will just be, uh, you know, go through the roof. I mean, there's so much to go into on this topic anyway. But we'll sort of skim through different things and sort of dart back and forth. There's no real sort of, let's pretend, let's pretend this behind the curtain, there's no real structure. <gasps> Who said that? Anyway, move on, we move on. So the upcoming card, we'll go through some of the uh, fights on that. One fight I'm going to be a bit biased towards is my training partner, Hayley Valentine. It's her Grapple Fest debut. Very exciting yeah. to say she's been tearing up in the competition scene. So she's against Hannah Garrett from um, ASW. Yeah, she, Hannah's actually one of my ex-students when I from my old gym uh, in the UK before I, before I sold up and moved to sunny Spain. Um, yeah, so I know Hannah really, really well. She's actually one of the runners on Grapple Fest as well, and she's been bugging me to get on it. She was on one of the early shows, early doors. Uh, she's not been on for a while now, and she's bugging me to get back on. Because she's so small, obviously, Hayley is as well. Mm. You know, they're like under, she's like 52 kilos. It's really difficult to find the girls. You know, the, there's loads of girls at 60 keys and stuff like that, but to find decent level girls at sort of like 52 kilos is pretty difficult because I like to try and keep the weights, you know, pretty fair and stuff like that, you know, if we can. Um, saying that we've got Fionn v Kendall on me on the card so there's been a weight difference in that one but I'm digressing um, so yeah just trying to get you know decent level and Hayley popped up you know at that size so it was like a perfect match for them really yeah so that should be good I mean this is where it's exciting anyway because obviously where a lot of female athletes in the gym it will be MMA or Jiu-Jitsu I used to be an outsized out of strength and the rest of it so when it comes to the same weight it's just a crazy pace and everything else so you can imagine the um, the match itself is going to be absolutely insane Regards of um, yeah. where you were, where you are, and where you're you're going as well. Regards of your actual location. So where are you now? But are you abroad still? Are you back in say Liverpool? No, no, yeah, I live over in uh, in Malaga in Spain. Right. Uh, been here for like two and a half years now. Um, sort of sold up, moved over, and then sort of like what about six, seven months later, whatever the world fell apart, and <laughs> that was it. You know, the dreams to come over. I teach you over in a gym over here, Lilith Barnett. Um, teach all the morning no gi classes and then you know they've got grapple fest going as well and I thought you know I can live a nice easy sort of life and then like I said the world just fell apart and uh, yeah became a bit of bad had a tough couple of years because obviously I, as I got rid of the you know all the uh, you know my gym and all that sort of stuff there was no furlough no nothing so it was uh, I wasn't getting any handouts from any governments <laughs> so it was a bit of a tough one just had to get through it and here we are today but this is where I want to sort of touch on that a bit more because this is sort of the equivalent dream in the jiu-jitsu space opposed to like you know the nine to five is to go on a beach somewhere and just disappear this is like jiu-jitsu it's still working but you know somewhere sunny a bit nicer like yeah. regards to that location specifically then is that like a pre-existing relationship with them um, santorini is this something you've just where's this come from um no i mean i've been coming my mum and dad have lived over they live further down the coast they've been they've lived there for nearly 20 years now so i've been coming here for you know that, that length of time uh so i know a lot of people here. i've always trained been uh, trained up and down the coast you know from everywhere from our bay up Benus, Torlinos, uh, Malaga there's a, there's a good scene here um, and I knew most of the guys and everything so I knew I had trading partners I knew there was good gyms and then after I've been I've been there for a you know, a month or so or something like that. Look, there was a guy teaching the, uh, some classes and he left and set up his own gym 
Um, and basically, Santieri asked me, could I, you know, did I want to take over and teach a classes? So it was perfect for me. So I was, you know, I can do that. And in, in, I do that for five days a week. Um, and then I run Grapple Fest as well. So it was, uh, yeah, it was all pretty, it worked out pretty well for me, barring the last, <laughs> the last shit show we've had for the last, you know, 18 months, two years, whatever it is now. So, yeah. You know, doing all right. I mean, with um, the sort of general standard and style of games you're seeing out there, is it much different to the UK sort of styles? Is it its own sort of style you're finding? It was very much BJJ uh, when I came here. They did no gi, but it was like, do you remember it used to be in the UK six years ago, something like that, where everyone just took the gis off and rolled exactly <laughs> the same until rolled IBGF rules. And I've never trained like that, you see. I've always trained submission grappling, and that's my background, where I've come from. So we've always rolled all submissions, heel-ups, neck cranks, all that sort of things. Um, so I think I've changed the gym quite a lot. Well, Santieri actually thanks me and he says, you've taught us so much and so many different things. So we basically say, we this is how we sort of say it. We say that we roll ADCC rules in, in no gi and we roll sort of IBGF rules in the gi. So yeah, I think I've uh, I think I've changed the gym a little bit like that, which is uh, pretty, pretty cool in a good way, in a good way. But it's pretty high standard out here. Pretty high standard. I mean, we were, we were counting up the other day. There was a couple of guys got the black belts at Christmas. And I think there's like 14 black belts in the gym. Do you know what I mean? So it's like any one session, there's four or five black belts on the mat. So it's I've got some good training partners. Well, that's perfect. So say where it gets interesting is when it comes to going to an area not particularly known for certain martial arts, you think, okay, what's the level going to be like? Like I'll give you an example, like in Grand Canary, where are you going to go other than um, the Dooms gym? And it's like, okay, but wait, but yeah. it's like Grids Abroad, essentially. It's that sort of same sort of level, that same work ethic, the same sort of model we've got, but now it's just a bit of a, a nicer location. That's wonderful. Now, regards yeah, of really regards of like Grapple Fest and things like that, one thing that really stands out above other grappling shows in the UK is the flow grappling sort of deal. How did that come about? Well, I got like we got that deal pretty quickly. We did one show, um, and it was just all UK guys, and it went really, really well. You know, I've got a great sort of uh, reception from everybody. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty pleased with it all. And then, so we just said, let's up the ante. And I knew Craig Jones. I trained with him a little bit, um, and I just basically messaged him and said, "Listen, mate, we 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 do a match for us." And he went, "Yeah, yeah, of course I will." Um, and I said, "Any opponents you'd like to face?" And he said, "I'd love to try and get a match with Mateus Tanis." So I got onto Mateus Tanis. Just literally, I was just messaging through social media at the start, just saying, "Hey, mate, I'm blah blah blah. You know, I've got a show. I'm just going up. I've got a match here for you." Uh, you know, fancy come to UK, we'll pay your expenses and your flights and stuff like that, pay your purse. Can't pay you too much at the moment because we're just starting up, but you know, and, and it was great, it was superb, and he jumped straight on it. I said, I'll get you some seminars and things like that. You know, I've done that for loads of athletes, you know, because you know, trying to help them out, give them some extra money. So and they'll they'll come back for it as well. So yeah, um basically we got that match nailed off, put a pretty good European, some European guys in there as well, really good load of UK guys. I was actually on holiday in Spain. And um, I just got a message come through to the uh, to the email for for a grapple fest of Flow Grappling, just saying, is there anyone who can we speak to who are interested in covering this event? Um, they'd seen that we put the match out. I got it. I got it put out on Jiu Jitsu Times. I think it was. I spoke to those guys, and they they put a little article about about the match. And obviously, it was a big match at the time. Super fights weren't as big back then, sort of four years ago, as they are now. Um, yeah, and then that was it. So I just basically emailed them back and said, blah, blah, blah. And we had a little conference call and they said, okay, we'll cover the event. And they gave us a a three, was it a, yeah, a contract for three events at the start. Wasn't a big contract, wasn't there, but it was a foot in the door, do you know what I mean? And then we renegotiated and yeah, we've been with them ever since. I mean, where this really gives you a lot more 
I don't know, the, the brand sort of, the way it stands up professional it looks, I say it's the unified, the grappling like platform to produce these things to sort of show, again, the names as well. I mean, this is how you sort of, so to say, explain to someone who doesn't know what's going on. Oh, it's a submission only show. Okay, what makes this one different? Oh, we've had these guys on, I've had this on, it's on this platform. Okay, now I'm listening. Now it's a bit more than okay. I suppose here's a couple of quid and let's see what happens. But one thing you touched on there with the sort of seminars, like or a pricing model for the actual competitors. I like that almost more than just direct purse. Because I feel one, it builds their brand and their personality out there as well. And obviously, I mean, you'd want to be able to pay everyone handsomely for every single match and everyone gets paid yeah. and everyone goes home, you know, happy days, but you've shown me where the money jujitsu is and I'll help <laughs> people start following it, I think. But. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks, you know, oh, you must be getting, you know, tens and tens of thousands of pounds off flow to be able to put this. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm raising a lot of money through ticket sales, things like that. And, you know, and, and like I said, I know we've had to pay some persons a little bit less than other guys pay, especially in the States. The money they get in the States compared to here is, is a lot less. So the way I've had to do it is by being the giving them that personal touch. I even took like weeks off work and stuff and, and driven them around to seminars, you know, or done it at nighttime after I've been teaching the gym in the morning, things like that. Just so I can look after them. I've had guys staying at my house, Mateus, Slackland Giles, Johnny Grippo, the Meows, people like that. I've let them come say, listen, come stay at my house, you know, here for a week or whatever, doing seminars. I'll drive you around, I'll take you to them, put a personal stamp on it. So I've had to work that hard, you know, to make sure they get paid. And then they go, yeah, he looked after us, he was a good guy. We'll come back, we'll do that show again. They, you know, they, they, so you, you've got to put the graft in. You can't just expect these people to just turn up and then fire them away. So you've got to. I try and make it, you know, and I've ended up friends with a lot of them as well. Mm. And they've given me good contacts. It's helped me out because I've gone, you know, such a body in your team, I won't mind getting contact for him. You know, have you got his number? Have you, you know, whatever. And and it's all worked out really well. I think rather than just, you know, just trying to be too business-like, I've tried to be, you know, try to make it, you know, a personal level for them. So, and it's worked well so far. So, yeah, so far, so good, mate. I mean, one thing with that, we say about the extra bit of work. I mean, having all these like, somewhat like idols these huge names in the sport coming to stay it's almost like an experience like wow <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not bad work is it really <laughs> I, say you're grafting. I mean there's so much you just want to go into with that alone but one question is who's got the strangest eating habits or certain particular about their food out of like some people you had over if you can say just some quite funny little way of taking things the one guy who, who i've never seen eat like anything was mateus tenis he stayed with us for about a week or so and we was literally i've never seen anyone put food away like him and i can eat mate i can eat you know what i mean he was putting food away I mean, missus was cooking him bacon eggs sausage in the morning at like half eight and then he'd go and you know do 10 rounds on the mat at 10 o'clock and then it'd be dinner and then we'd go do a seminar and there'd be a massive tea that guy just ate and ate and ate. i've never seen anyone eat like him in my life <laughs> i didn't put any weight on him to put any weight on it was crazy <laughs> oh man it's a dream isn't it it's wonderful but no, where all these i'll give an example i think who it was i think it was um a frasa harvey seminar where he had driven like base part of four hours i think it was a ball late driving from say london to like leeds or something like that you think oh, i can't be asked for that we think four hours alone with that kind of person to speak to and pick their brain like some of the conversations you must have had with those guys must be just, I don't know, unreal. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic, mate. Driving around them, like to picking their brains. Craig's a real, you know, real intelligent guy. Craig Jones and Lachlan was as well. They were the really clever guys. 
got a lot of you know lots of easy and you know not just about jujitsu life and stuff like that some good combos with him but also don't forget as well i mean i went around doing seminars with him as well and i was a yucky as well a lot of the time so you're learning off these elite level guys and some of the little things i felt them just do you know rather than that you can't quite see you know when you, mm-hmm. you're getting used to the yucky just you know the hand position or a grip or how how much he squeeze with the legs when you know and you know entering like a saddle position things like that it taught me a lot. You know, I learned, I got loads out of it as well. So like I say, it's not bad work, is it? When you're, you know, you're knocking around with the best guys in the world, they're teaching, they're teaching you stuff, you're getting to learn from them. So it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty good experience. Yeah, pretty good. The way they teach and the way they sort of explain their training and things like that, have you found it applied to anything you're doing, the way you're coaching and things like that, the way they prioritize things, the order they do things in? Have you noticed any real big difference? Yeah, I think... Uh, Maybe, maybe um, a bit more methodical, you know, with, with things. But you tend to find as well, though, you know, what I found was we aren't that far behind them, you know, in the UK. We weren't. There's a lot of stuff we got taught that I did know and I, and I knew stuff about. There's a lot of, you know, little details that I picked up, but a lot of the stuff I basically did know. I know a few guys did. And I found this with all the elite athletes as well. It's just that they're that good at it that mm-hmm. they just nail it so well every single time. And the only sort of analogy I can put it was like, you know, we all played football didn't we, when we were kids. I played when I was like six mm. years old, under sevens, under eights and stuff like that. But no matter how much you play football, I was never going to be David Beckham or anything like that. And and I think it just, I don't know if it's just the genetics or, you know, a lot of it's, you know, in jiu-jitsu is the way you think and the way the brain works and stuff. But I just think they're, they're, they're just top level athletes these days. You know, they're just, they aren't doing technique. There's no secrets. That's one thing I found out with them all. There isn't any secrets. There's no secret moves, no secret techniques. We all pretty much know all the finishes, kimuras, arm bars, you know, your leg locks, triangles, you know, things like that. There's, it's pretty basic, rear naked choke, guillotine. It's pretty basic. It's just the way they do them and the way they see them and the way they hit them. I think they're just so far ahead, you know. That's something Tom Barlow talks about as well. I think when he used to drive to Browley and Birmingham from wherever he was down to Cambridge, for example, the route wouldn't change. But getting there, get pressed to be smoother and smoother and smoother. And the same yeah. kind of idea that the path hasn't really changed too much, but the way you take it, the way you, how efficient you are. Like you see old man jiu-jitsu, prime example. Like it's, yeah. my friend jokes, but it's the same three moves, same four moves, but you know, he's trying to stop them. Seriously, <laughs> seriously I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. It is. It's literally, I'm going to arm by you and you're not going to be able to stop it. And it's just, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, I roll with loads of good guys, mate, and I'll be able to stop this armor. And then you can't stop it. So it's just, they're just that good at it. You know, it's just a different level. Well, that's it. You sort of look back, practice my armbar escapes. Yep, didn't work. Nope, didn't work. Nope, didn't work. <laughs> Technically, am I doing this? Yep. Is it working? Nope. Yeah. And you're not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just that they're that good at it. <laughs> so, yeah. So fun, man. It's like we're trying to watch the round back. Oh, what can I do better? So, well, just about everything, really, I think. But anyway, we don't, let's not get too personal. We'll start crying. We'll get emotional enough today, but we move. <laughs> so one relationship you've built as of recently, and thankfully so, the Pedago submission fighting guys, that is just... So before we even get into the actual event, how much can everyone just relate to that kind of man attitude? Of like, yeah, we'll do that kind of... They're sleeping on the mats. They don't care. Like, we'll see, see in the vlogs where he's just sort of sat in his own little shed he's made and things. I think that's just so, like man cave energy i love it it's perfect they're awesome mate honestly they're such nice fellas as well do you know what i mean they're just down to earth you know that you know they're just like us there's no airs and graces in them you know they just want to train just want to get stuck in heath is just like a 
brilliant guy. We literally just chat now all the time, and I'm like it'll just ring me up at night. You know, I'll be sat there it was the other night. He'd ring me it was nine o'clock. I think I was just watching something on TV, and my phone rings, and it's him. And he's just like, "Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking, oh shit, something about the show." And just like, "Yeah, what's up, brother? You know what I mean? Just having a chat with me." And he's just such a cool dude. You know what I mean? He's uh, we just hit it off from day one. Just got on, just got on really well. Our gym's pretty rough and ready back in the UK. ASW is, you know, it's, it's there's no airs and graces there. It's not a, it's just a tough submission wrestling gym. Um, so you know they're on the same level, really good guys, and like you said, it, I'm just so pleased that we've we've, we've uh, got a good relationship going with them, and I'm really looking forward to them all coming over and then seeing the UK. Now, regards of the actual idea of them versus the in Europe, and then eventually the world, and so on and so forth. Who knows what we're going to allude to? We'll see what happens. How did that sort of come about? That sort of that model, this plan, who's with who? Where did this? What started that conversation? That was just me. I just just decided one day, right? He was coming over. Heath was coming over because um, Dante Leon, who we've had on the mm. show a few times, he's ended up joining up with them. And Dante just said to me, "He's going to come over with me uh, to corner me." And I was like, "Well, tell him I'll pay for his flight, and uh, I'll, I'll you know I'll sort him out." Because I just thought, you know, I, I wanted to get a relationship going with him. I'd tried to message a couple of times and managed to get through. Um, and then as Heath and got we got put me in touch with Heath. Got him sorted, got his, you know, got his passport details and all that, booked him a flight, got chatting to him. And then he said, Dove, George Valadares is going to come as well, do some filming. Mm. I said, all right, we'll get him on the show as well. Let's do it. And from, just went from there, mate. And then I was just thinking about it and thinking about it. And the idea actually came before the last Grapple Fest in November. And I just said, listen, mate, I've got this idea. I said, come over, see what you think of it, see what you think of everything. But if you're into it and you like it, I've got an idea and I'll chat to you when you get it. And he was like, okay, cool. He loved the event, lived, you know, loved that. I just put it to him and said, how about you just bring a squad over? We'll just do a Daisy Fresh V. We were going to do UK at first, but we decided to go for Europe. So we needed, you know, we thought we'd get a few mm-hmm. different people in and stuff like that. Um, and then we just thought, yeah, let's go for it. So, yeah, it was just, a, just an idea I had. I literally just thought it up one day and it just kept growing in my head. And I was like, this could be fucking huge, you know? So, and it looks like it's worked. <laughs> no, it's getting more and more exciting. Again, the people who follow the sport more in depth will appreciate how... I don't know how it's getting because George had a match against, I think it was Josh Charrington, last event. Yeah, Josh. Now, yeah. Josh, Josh is a tough lad, mate. He's if tough anyone hasn't rolled with Josh, so I've been training best part of six, seven years. I like to think I'm okay. I'm not saying I'm amazing, I'm okay. I rolled with him. And you know that white belt smashing you get where you get just back to basic? I got yeah. steamrolled like I'd never trained before. And I just, <laughs> I just felt so upset. But anyway, seeing, you know, rolling with someone that level, seeing that extra level above, it's just, incredible but yeah that was a really interesting match so what did you make to set that match up in the first place how did that conversation come about well yeah because I, I know Josh myself he, he comes and trains with the ASW sometimes he's got a background for him with Ian Bromley who's a good mate of mine catch wrestling up here uh, well I'm sorry up, up in Manchester um, so I knew him well I've trained a lot with him he's been on Graffafest a good few times before I think the only the only, the only match his loss was to Jack Tiley, who George is going to fight next. So the only they've got a common opponent in Josh that they both managed to beat him. But Josh is tough, tough as nails. You know what I mean? Really good. I really rate him as a grappler. And I just thought, you know, George is pretty tidy. And I thought, let's, you know, let's put these two together. So I, I knew it'd be a good match. And it was, you know, Josh was doing really, really well until he got, you know, George got that beautiful entry, you know. But uh, yeah, it was a great match until then. So George loved it. Uh, he actually said to me, he goes, George doesn't like anything. He's just one of those guys. Just everybody loved Europe and he loved Raffle Fest and he can't wait to come back. So I think we made a good impression. Oh, that's fantastic. And you got um, Mateusz Szczynski against, is that against Dante Leon? Is that that main event? Dante, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, the, that's for the under 80 kilo belt, yeah. 
Well, where that's exciting as well is you have the sort of modern style versus sort of a traditional style, you know, smash pass and strangle versus, you know, yeah. fuck it, let's try a leg lock. I mean, Mateusz Jasinski, if you see the Polaris squads and everything else he's been doing, ADCC, been the straight ankle lock game. He's got very, I don't know, very interesting style. Like it's not too outrageous, oh, very clean, slick. very clean. That's- I've trained. I mean, I had him on a grapple test six way before anyone saw him on Polaris or anything like that. I had already had him on that, and he was lined up to be on the last show as well, but he got injured, um, unfortunately. So he was going to fight Pierre Leclerc on the last show, uh, but he come over and did a camp in, with Camille, Camille Wilk. Mm. He did a camp over in, in in here, and so I've rolled him a fair bit, mate. He is slick. He's not just leg locks either. He's got a lovely triangle. He's got a lovely armbar as well. He's got a nice passing game. So you never know. You might see him mix it up a little bit. You never know. I, I think he's on the he's on the cusp of breaking through. He was very very close with Tarza in the um, in the ADCC. Very close, and Tarza got got the nod, got the win, went through. You know, managed to get the things. So I think Mateus is gunning for the um, the next trials in Moldova in May. And I'd love to see him get in the ADCC. I think he's one of those guys who's on the cusp of breaking through from Europe to being, you know, to being real, really, really good. We see a lot, especially when it comes to a specialist. You seem to forget that, you know, they've got another game, they've got other areas that like Ryan Hall is known for his leg locks, but he's got more wins by triangle in competition. Yeah, 100%. People, yeah, not completely forget that. And this is where the well-rounded style gets really interesting. And then you get different ways of applying certain games. This is where... I don't know, Mikey Musa match against Kev Corkill is a very interesting match as well. I mean, I saw the BGJ Heroes article about it and they did Kev Dirty. I was like, oh, don't know much about it. I felt sorry. He said about eight matches on Grapple Fest. He fought Ash as a main event, the, the one that we did during the pandemic that we did behind closed doors. And Ash has got about seven or eight kilos on Kev. Kev's only like 61, 62 kilos. <laughs> a small guy. And, he, you know, Ash, Ash was, you know, Ash won the match and he won it convincingly. But Kev went the distance with him and did well, do you know what I mean? And he's a good guy. He's got some great wins on Grapple Fest. The thing is with Mikey, everyone was like, let's put him against Ash Williams. Ash is just, you know, just about makes 70 kilos. Mikey's 58 kilos and he asked for an under 60 kilo match, a black belt, a black belt, you know, specifically. Tom Halpin, I spoke to him, he said he could get to under 65 kilos. There's only a couple of good 60 kilo guys. And Kev's, you know, a Grapple Fest veteran. He, he, it's a rocky thing. It's a, it's a rocky shot for him, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's a full rocky film. It's, you know, give him, give him a shot. He is the underdog. He's against the best guy in the world by an absolute mile at that weight. And if he gets anything out of that match or lasts with him or gets anything going in that match, he could, you know, he could do the the, the Craig Jones, Leandro Lowe thing, couldn't mm. he? Do you know what I mean? You can rocket yourself to superstardom just by having one good match. So he's got nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. So he can just go for it. And if you've rolled with Kevin in the gym, he is a killer, honestly. The size of him, he's a killer. What gym is he based out of? Uh, he's got his own place called Precision Combat Academy in Liverpool. Uh, and like I say, people don't realise he's like 61, 62 kilos. He's tiny, do you know what I mean? So he's always fighting under 70. So he's giving away seven or eight kilos all the time. That's 10% of your body weight he's giving away against most mm-hmm. people, which is a lot, isn't it? It's a, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of weight to give away. I'm 90 keys. If I'm giving away, fighting somebody who's 100 keys, I know about it, you know, he's, he's the same level as you. There's a difference, isn't there, when you're giving away that much weight. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does it, somebody this weight. Well, the weight cutting in jiu-jitsu and competition in general is always a reoccurring conversation because the idea of cutting, you're depleted trying to rehydrate to a certain standard to give you an advantage. But if you're at your same base, you haven't had to deplete at all. So maybe a different attitude entirely. I mean, MMA and jiu-jitsu, regards the weight cutting conversation always changes. But that physicality, you definitely feel it. You've, everyone's had that conversation in themselves where you're rolling, you're like, you know what? 
if he's a bit heavier than me, I can't compete at that weight because they're a bit too strong. If they're that strong, I'm going to have a problem. You know what I mean? You have that sort of the mindset. But jiu-jitsu, depending on how you apply your game, I mean, someone like Kev, for example, or like Camille Wilk, or someone of that kind of build, you can be very dynamic in the way you apply your base. That's where you see like girls like Haley, for example. Like, yes, size is a huge factor, but the way you can apply it and how you can manage that. Again, it's one thing less to, well, to worry about the scales when you're, training anyway it changed the, the entire dynamic like has cutting been for you quite a big thing throughout your competitions when I did MMA years and years ago yeah I used to cut loads of weight but in jiu-jitsu nah I just think people are mad I'm like I I, I used to diet you know and say right okay um, I, I'd compete either 85 or 88 you know or, you know, or, or 88 in the gi wasn't it an 85 no gi or I've sometimes done 91 which is you know the heavyweight one um, but I'm just like you're mad just doing it while you're walking around if you're overweight and you're fat then yeah put the floor mm. down and do some dieting don't be cutting water weight not for a jiu-jitsu because if you're doing IBGF or you know most comps like that you're weighing sometimes before you jump on the mat I mean we weighing at 2 o'clock the show starts at four o'clock. Now the main event comes on about sort of, you know, between eight and nine o'clock, something like that. So those guys have got a bit of time. But if you're, you know, at the top of the card and you've got two hours and you're cutting weight, you're mental. <laughs> Just, mm. you know, and especially guys who are cutting any sort of weight and then jumping straight on the, you know, on the scales, uh, on the scales and then going straight on the mat. You just, you've got to be mad. So I just, I just think do it at what you walk around at every day, you know, and just, you know, clean your diet up and, and, you know, just be sensible about it. But if, you know, and if you're over, if you're over 20% body fat, then, you know, you want to probably diet down a little bit, but other than that, just do it at what, do it at what you train at every day. You see people, I see, I see guys who, who I train the gym, they go, yeah, I've got three, four kilos to drop this week. And then they do, they drop these kilos they just by not eating anything all week and, you know, dehydrating themselves a little bit. And then they go on the comp and go, oh, I felt terrible. I, you know, I felt awful. And I'm like, well, what, what do you expect? <laughs> do you know? So, yeah, just just do it. In my advice is do it at what you walk around at. Just do it what we walk around at. That's your taste, Denise. Just keep eating your weight. just goes anywhere. Yeah, you know? he's all right. <laughs> he's pretty sweet. I, I, only have to look at, I only have to look at a plate of chips and I put about two keys on. <laughs> That's it by extension. I mean, there's funny you mentioned MMA. I just remember something because you've had um, an MMA fight against it's my um so we do a MMA show like a regular recurring podcast with Carsten Lenjua. Oh so yeah, 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 yeah. A little while back, oh, and, he, and I just thought oh, that's a bit, well, a bit talk, throwback. Talk about weight cutting, mate. Talk about weight cutting. That was the most stupid one I've ever done, and it's you know Carsten beat me fair and square. So I'm not saying anything about that, but I cut down to 67 kilos, and I walk around. I walk around now at 90. I was used to walk around then about 83 or something like that. Mm. I literally dieted down to about 77 and cut 10 kilos, and I was nearly dead. <laughs> um, and I remember in the middle of the fight, we were halfway through the um, in the middle of the fight, and I remember just going all dizzy and spit and I was just like wow I didn't even know I couldn't work out where I was or where I was upside down or on the top or anything I'd say nothing away from Carson he's a great guy he came to the last show actually bumped into first time I've actually seen him face to face in a while came and said hello I really love him he's a great great guy but yeah that was ridiculous stupid weight cutting so I think after that one I stayed at welterweight with 77 kilos so that tells you something because <laughs> this is because I knew that if I was the 67 or something like that and I'm having this conversation thinking you just said you're about 90 so like <laughs> as a- yeah, honestly mate honestly you know and, and and back then I'm a bit bigger now because I just I do a lot more weight training and stuff like that and I used to eat you know for MMA you keep it down but I did used to walk around about 83, 84 mm. something like that then um, and I dated down to like said about 77 and then I'd, I had a few catch weights 73 did 70 a couple of times but I think Carson used to do 65 and I think we met in the middle around 67 and a half and I genuinely I, it was just I was basically nearly dead I had to go to the hospital on the Monday so actually, I went in and I 
because I was still like suffering a bit. And they put me on a drip and all that sort of stuff. And they actually, I told them what I'd done about doing salt baths and, and in the sauna and stuff. And they were all just looking at me as if I was mental. <laughs> so it was there. <laughs> you said a fantastic point there, which people who don't do the sport don't get, is looking your family or friends in the eyes and say, okay, so I'm currently 10 kilos over what I compete at. Now I'm going to drink all this water. I'm going to starve myself and I'm going to be really skinny and I might get in a fight and might die, but it's okay. It's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and you try and look them in the eyes when they say, are you mental? And you've got to say no, but it's okay. <laughs> Dead fan. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. Looking back at it now, I mean, that was what when I fought Carson was it 2008, 2009. So it's a good 10, 12 years ago. Um, and I look back at now and say, like, what, what was I doing? What, what did I even, what, what was I even thinking about trying to make that weight? I was like the most miserable I've ever been for about eight weeks, eating no food or anything like that. And then, and then doing that to myself at the end, it's just, it's crazy. I've got pictures of it. I look like something out of, you know, a concentration camp, mate. I just look horrendous. <laughs> Abs are not worth it. <laughs> but this is an interesting sort of point you've sort of touched on there, but MMA, you see a lot of, the machine is Christian Bale into Batman Begins Christian Bale, that kind of transition. But uh, Jiu-Jitsu almost becomes almost like a bit of a bodybuilding at the higher level. They seem to just keep packing on size and just business as usual with yeah. that. It almost makes more sense, though, because if you're going to be matched against people with within the same amount, not pound for pound the same weight most of the time, it kind of makes sense to sort of just put on a bit extra and just crack on, really. What do you think to that? I would. I personally would say to someone, if you're sitting in between two weight classes, say there's say it's ADCC and there's 77 and 88, and and you're not fat. I mean, if you if you have got low body body percentage and you're sitting at 83, you know, I'd say get on the weights, mate, do some strength conditioning, and get yourself at 86 kilos. You know what I mean? And just sit there, so you never have a problem making weight, but you'll be okay. I I don't think two or three kilos would ever make a difference in a grappling match. Should never make a difference in a grappling match. Ten over ten, it starts to make you know, or ten percent of your body weight and stuff mm. like that. I think that starts to make a difference. A couple of kilos should never make a difference. You roll with people in the gym every single day, don't you? All different sizes, all different weights. You don't turn around to them and say, "Well, what are you weighing, mate?" You know, and oh yeah, I'm a hundred. You know, you just get on with it, don't you? Mm. I don't competition. You know, I mean, you'll see it this year. ADCCs uh, this year. It's coming up in September. All those guys, when they go into ADCC, are going to be eating some serious acai and they are going to be jacked to the max. They're going to be big dudes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> They're all going to be in shape and it will look like a bodybuilding contest, trust me. <laughs> I mean, so this is my controversial point in combat sports, mainly jiu-jitsu. Why do we care about steroids and juicing? Like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to see like ADCC Plus or something like that, where everyone's a bit like, you know, full of SI. There's no testing and... no in ADCC, mate. That is, that is, they are, they are the ultimate athletes. Some of them aren't using it. Personal wise, I reckon 70, 80% of them are. You know what I mean? Some of the lightweight guys aren't, but I think 77, 88, 99, definitely, definitely are. Definitely. Um, you know, most of them. Not saying I've seen anyone, not saying I know about anything, not saying that I'm just going off physiques and the way they look and the way some of them change during this year. You'll see it now. It'll go from take some will do the Europeans and I'll turn up at the ADCC and you're like, oh, he looks different. He's been eating his Brussels sprouts. He's a right to be boy over Christmas. Yeah. I in Jesus, man. It's there. Obrigado, Jesus. Boa, boa. Oh, yeah. Merry Glace, senor. Something like that. We're going to stay out of them. 
we'll cause some more havoc in a little bit. One question I've got for you, regards of the matchmaking man behind Grapple Fest anyway, is when you're getting someone on new who's not been on the show before, what is your criteria? How do, how should people apply to you? Because I've seen some interesting applications you've <laughs> you've had, but what is the way you'd expect or like people to present themselves to you to then say, can I be on the show? A lot of the time, I do keep my finger on the pulse. And, um, uh, you know, from Purple Belt above, I know he's a pretty good competitors in the UK. I keep my finger on Even though I'm over here, there's, these days there's live streams, there's social media, and, you know, everyone's putting the matches on. So I, I reckon I do more homework than anyone else does, even on lower belts and things like that. When it comes like last time, I throw stuff out there and say, listen, you know, we had like 20 spots. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put 20 spots out on this card. We had over 300 applications for it. I sent the same message back to every single person saying, blah, 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 have you got any footage? You know, we, we, we want to see, you know, what you can do, you, you know, where you are, where you're at, and, you know, what have you won and things like that. And they, most people send us everything in, you know, about themselves, what they've had, what they've had won. So there's a couple of people I've took a punt on, just literally sometimes, mate, I've just clicked on their Instagram and watched a couple of the highlight reels and gone, he looks all right, actually. I know he's only a blue belt going against other blue belts, but I can tell these days, you know, I've been training for... I think I'm in my 17th, 18th year now uh, grappling and I'm looking at him and I'm going, yeah, you know, he's tidy, you know, he's good. Okay, I'll give him a little shot. Um, some of them is word of mouth of the coaches who I trust, you know, and go, listen, I've got this really good blue belt, I've got this really good purple belt. He'll suit your rules. He's dynamic. He's won this, he's won that, he's won this. So I'll take that on board as well off guys who I trust, you know. Um, I, I don't really take a blind punt on anyone. You know, I need to have seen seen them at least do something. Uh, well, I've never took a blind punt on anyone. It, I'd be stupid to start doing that. Mm-hmm. But I, I've, guys, I've never, and a lot of you know, guys, especially when we first started in the Northwest and stuff, I'd rolled with these guys, you know, with these two open mats things like that. So I used to have a little, you know, I, I yeah. actually find that now. Whenever I'm whenever I'm training now, we get visitors. It's like, it used to be like everyone's having a go. Now we think they all want to try and impress me. So they all try and kill me that way instead. So I sort of get used to it. <laughs> it's it's like, like, get me on the show, I won't let go sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, all, the, all, the, all the young hungry purple out there are like trying to kill me now so sure like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> I don't mind I enjoy it I enjoy it so yeah it's cool but yeah yeah, it's sort of you know I'm looking for guys who are confident guys who are winning but most important to me people are winning in style and I say this I have the rules meeting in Grafffest anyone who's been in Grafffest and I say this every single time and I'll keep saying every single time listen if you put a good match on and it's nine minutes and you get tapped in the last minute, well, that match has been end-to-end. Both of you going for it, two submissions. You're both coming back. Not just the guy who wins, the guy who put the good show on as well. If you pass someone's guard and stall out and line them in side control or mount for nine, ten minutes, I'm not interested in it, even if you've won. I'm not, people don't want to watch that shit. You know, it's impressive. You know, high level stuff. It's it's a different thing. You know, if you get somebody's real high level, elite level black belt, and you know, just a guard pass can can you know sometimes what wins a match because they're, they're both that good. But at purple, you know, blue, purple, sort of brown stuff like you should be going for the kill, man. You can't submit everybody, but you should be trying to. You should be trying to. So that's what I'm looking for. Style, looking for guys who are exciting. And girls, obviously, you know. That's it. Don't discriminate any gender. Um, yeah. No, no, no like, we've got we've got more girls on this grapple fest. When I release this on the, I mean, I think the main card's got one, two, three, four women's matches on it, and I think there's about the same on the uh, on the card as well. So I think you know we've got we've got we've got more more women's matches on this one than, we, than we've ever had. I love the girls' fights. Last last one we had the fight the night with the girls. The one we did behind closed doors was fighting night with the girls with Fionn and Tayani. You know, the girls matches to go for it. You get a good girl once they get past sort of blue, I think up to purple. They are so aggressive and vicious. I love it. <laughs> they really go for the kill. This is something I really like in the sport anyways. The fact 
there's a lot of profile for both sides of the athletes, both genders. Yeah. I mean, this is where you're starting to really earn their own respect. It's where you see it in other sports like football, basketball and everything else. The women's league gets almost neglected almost intentionally and you try and yeah. get into it. And it sincerely doesn't have the same kind of appeal. But you watch women's grappling and competition MMA as well. It's got the same sell to it, the same appreciation. And I think the more sincere, genuine like talent we've got from the females... It just builds the sport massively. And people like Fiona, huge inspiration, like Kate Batch, they get a few like high profile female competitors. So it's, it, I think the fact that they're on the same card together, mm. it's not separated. It's not, you know, yeah, in tournaments, they get it, you know, but they're all on the same mats in tournaments, you know, and everything. But on this, we're doing the show, everyone's on the same card. It's not our woman's show and our man's show, you know, like a, a, a man's football league and a women's football league. They're mm. on the same show. So people who maybe didn't take the time to appreciate them and seen them and gone, oh, yeah, how good was that match? Like I said, we've had, had the grapple, but I think we've had three out of the 10 grapple fest. We've had women's fight of the night. You know, they've been fight of the night. So people are looking at it and going, shit, that was amazing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And was, you know, the fight between Rosa Walsh and Nadine Tavares in the last one, I'd recommend anyone to go back and watch that. It's one of my favourite matches ever on grapple fest, let alone that just that show. Do you know what I mean? It's People have just got to, you know, start looking at the fact is, we don't differentiate, we don't separate. I actually, when we first started, used to have a hard time trying to, I used to be trying to get women's matches. My wife, you know, she trains, she's really good black belt. She's just scrapping ground. everyone. She's yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've got another pull out. I said, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'd be trying to get, she'd be posting in the women's groups and stuff, saying, does anyone want a matches? Does anyone want this? You know, we're looking for women's matches. We're looking for this. And people weren't taking it up four years ago when we were trying. Now it's like, you know, I can make these matches now. Mm. And so I'm really pleased that the women are, are up in the submission grappling scene a lot of them just seem to stay in the gi for, for you know for longer than the guys did um, my missus she used to say to me all the time you know when she first did no gi she hated it she's got sweated on there's guys sweating in her eyeballs and stuff it's not nice is it you know mm. but uh, but now she loves it she does no gi all the time she doesn't do any any gi hardly so yeah it's uh, I think the women are coming through now so it's pretty cool to see now, regards of where Grapple Fest will go further down the line obviously can't really say now or tell too much but more just throwing out potential ideas like combat jiu-jitsu, quintet-style events. Would you be open to any of those kind of ideas? No, I'll leave them to do it. Leave them. All the, the team things, quintet did that. Leave them to it. It's their thing. EBI rules, EBI do it. Leave them to do that. You know, the, the combat jiu-jitsu, Eddie Bravo's doing that. Leave him to do that. I'll do my own thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, people... I'm not trying to reinvent the, the wheel. At the end mm. of the day, people want to see good matches. So if I can just keep putting good matches on, I'll do, I'll do that. This one's marketed Daisy Fresh for Europe. There's going to be 12 guys from Daisy Fresh on it, but, you know, there's going to be sort of, what, 60 people on the card, 30, there is 30 matches on the card. So there's only 12 guys from Daisy Fresh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it was just a marketing, a marketing thing, that really. Um, you know, I've got something similar planned with another big gym for May. Um, so that should be mm-hmm. huge as well. Um, so yeah, a little bit of an exclusive. Can't say who, but it's uh, it's in the works anyway. No, that is very exciting. Now, this is interesting. Anyway, I mean, I'm going to just throw this pot and to stir the pot a little bit so for you yourself if you were to jump in on a last minute super fight on grapple fest jeff glover style in meta morris free i was wearing the suit and he just comes everyone out says this to me. everyone says this to me <laughs> listen i have run off my absolute feet on the day on that show i'm by the end of it i'm absolutely knackered everyone's i'm not like, saying you have to get on the day it's more like you know one off super fight than it is like on the day after like you know x amount of hours of setting up it's more like you know hypothetical who would be your most favorite match not necessarily who you'd love to smash but who'd be a fun one stylistically no, I, I, 
if I was ever going to do one, everything like that, I'd want like one of the good guys just to feel how, how it felt mm. in a proper competition. Do you know what I mean? I'm 47 now. So, you know, anyone I'm fighting now is going to be over 40 and, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, it is what it is. I've had some good, really good matches actually with some, some good, you know, master two, master three, master four guys. Um, but if I could and, and someone's opponent in turn off, I'd like to jump in against one of the top level guys, you know what I mean? And, and just go, right, let's feel what it's really like. Not when you played in the gym, because I've rolled with loads of them in the gym and it's different, isn't it? I'm like, come on, let, let's see what you really like when you really when you really smash me. So yeah, one of the top guys, God knows. <laughs> Get Mateus Denise <laughs> when he gets the um dinner bell. Yeah, in, <laughs> in my weight cat in my weight category, HV8, you've got Denise, Craig Jones, Hinger, um, yeah, Mason Fowler, you know, some well, of all those guys. Absolute killers. <laughs> oh no, I'd be so interested. But, yeah, with, there's so much in this I want to go into anyway. I mean, obviously we're a bit sort of close to time. I have to do another one. But regards of the event and this sort of style, did you see yourself even running an event? Like what inspired the, this side of competition, creating the events? But what made you make this side of the decision? It was literally because the style we grapple at ASW, it's just all submission grappling. It's just, you know, all subs all subs allowed. The way we That's what we've always done. And there's all these tournaments. There's a couple of tidy little shows dropping them out, but they're all like half gi and half IBGF rules and half no gi with half IBGF rules and, and half submission grappling. And I thought they were confusing. And I'm thinking, people aren't even going to be able to understand this who do jiu-jitsu, let alone people who don't. So I was like, listen, let's turn it all. One style, one thing, one, you know, all the same. Everyone can understand it. And we get that people's, you know, wives, girlfriends, husbands come to watch them. They see it and say to us, it's a night out. The big thing was we wanted it to make it. You go to most of these shows, mate, so you can hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. It's just everyone's quiet. There's a few claps every now and again. And I've said this before a couple of times. We wanted it like the darts, not the snooker. We wanted everyone pissed. A good <laughs> I love that analogy. And that's what we went for. You know, we're, we're, we're from the Northwest. That's what we're like. That's what we're like as people, you know. So we were like, we want it like that. And it's exactly what we wanted is what's going on. People come from all over now and they're just like, wow, I've heard you talk about the atmosphere and the people, but I didn't actually realise it was like a big party like this. And there's music blasting, there's beer everywhere. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. That's what it's like. The Americans can't believe it. They're just like, wow, you lot are just mental. <laughs> that's but, where yeah, it's so cool. Because like normally yeah. jiu competitions are on like a sports hall and they're all very like everyone's competing at the same time you don't know what's going on you've got ground level everything's so noisy so busy whereas mma shows are like you know it's a, the lights the moment they're walking out it's announced it's huge it's a big moment and that's what i like about that style of things but with jiu-jitsu like the way you're doing this where it's you know what the grind is like to get yourself ready for a competition or a fight or whatever it is you think i made all these sacrifices and to do it in like a normal jiu-jitsu comp where you just sort of get okay you're on now okay you did it nice one sick bye it's it's your moment you're getting announced you're getting cheered you're getting the walk you're getting your music you're getting all this sort of stuff it's exactly Ooh. like that mate they get the walking tune now we have a competitors group it's your walking tunes in there the dj you know kevy he gets it all, all that the mc aaron he gets all your details he reads stuff out about you it's your moment your music you're coming down those steps you're coming down there all eyes are on you you're under the spotlights as you've seen the way we have it infused the spotlights all over the thing you're under the lights everybody's watching you and just you fight on this big mat. And that's exactly what we wanted. Exactly like that. You know, it's, 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 and not quite, not, you know, and this atmosphere and it's like, you know, we wanted it like that. It's worked out exactly what we wanted. So yeah, I'm really happy. And I made a statement, you know, the other day and just sort of saying, listen, we set this out for the UK athletes, you know, to be, on getting on the card as as black belts and starting to fight international guys. And this is now happening four years later. 
we've got guys with purple belts on the first show. They're now black belts fighting guys from America on, on the main card. So we built these guys up and invested in them. And I hope people can see that that's what we've done for people. We're building them up and we're going, listen, look at you now. People are going to see your name now. You're on the main card against top level international opposition. Do you know what I mean? It's your time to shine. So we're giving you a career. I don't think anyone else has done that. And I'm pretty pleased with it. There's so much to go into with certain areas with this. One thing we're going to sort of briefly touch on before we have to wrap up is when you have certain ranked belts against higher ranked belts, how do you have those conversations? So Tyrus Cunliffe's a prime example, someone like that who was prolific in the junior ranks, recently got his purple about a year ago, same time I've got mine. And you sort of see how he's always black belt competitions, higher rank competitions. So to have a match, say, against Shane Curtis, like he did at um, the Empire one, both at pink purple belt, like it almost doesn't make sense on paper. How do you work out those? How do I explain it? You know what I mean? You get like the Rotolo brothers, for I example. It. I get yeah. it, I get it. Well, I was, I was just about to step up to me straight away. I had them on when they were 16, they were blue belts. Mm. So are you telling me that they weren't good enough to fight black belts because they both won? Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? One submission, one won by points, and they won against top, top level guys. Do you know what I mean? They came over, they fought Jeremy Skinner and Tom Halpin the first time mm. round, top world-class level guys, and both won. So yeah, they're phenoms, and they're the, uh, they are probably the exception to the rule. But I know guys, like we just spoke about Josh Carrington before, I think Josh is still a blue belt. Because he doesn't do any gi, but Josh is a, <laughs> his black belt is a black belt level grappler, you know. Mm. So, because I, I understand that from both sides, like he's, I didn't, I went back and did some gi from in like 2013, 2014 or something. I've been training, since, you know, for nearly eight years. By then, I had a blue belt for six years. I went back and I'm training, you know, in the, in no gi, I could be brown belts, you know, whatever it was, no problem at all. In the gi, it was a bit different than people I was getting collar choked when I first went back because I couldn't, couldn't remember anything. Um, but it's the level of grappler you are and the level of experience you've got. I wouldn't throw a blue belt in against a black belt if they weren't an exceptional guy. If, mm. if I can get Cole Abati on and he's still, I think he just got his purple, actually. Yeah, he's so. <laughs> was a blue belt one he went, he was, and looking at me, he went against Gio Martinez. I knew he was good. I knew he was really good. I knew all the stuff about him, but we hadn't seen him against someone that level. And when he absolutely destroyed Gio, I was like, oh my God, that, that, was, that was a match. I was just looking at it going, wow, that is just wild. You know what I mean? It's The guys coming through now, these kids coming through, it's going to be it's going to be another level, mate. Another level, honestly. The recurring thought with those is always hilarious. Is Imagine the poor 16-year-old blue belt cunt in his bracket, like, okay, I've got this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm he's smashed Gio Martinez. What am I going to do to him? <laughs> the juvenile world. It's why the Ruatulos didn't bother doing any IBJJF pumps until sort of the end of this year because they were still classed as juveniles. And they were just like, well, what was the point in us doing that? Well, you know, and so they give them the brown belts. They went in and got in the final against each other and then got the black belts, you know. So, you know, it's it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. That's so good. Um, quick question to wrap things up with. And there's something on the same sort of thing. We're going to have a few extras, but how do you market jiu-jitsu to non-jiu-jitsu people? We, we're trying to do it off, off the night out, the experience, you know, make it like that. And making it easy to understand, you know. It's like you do judo, Everyone knows if they get thrown, they land on the back, don't they? Even mm. even your grand knows that they get thrown on the floor. That's finished. Boxing, you get knocked out. It's you know it's finished. 
grappling's a lot more technical. There's a lot of stuff that's not going to go on. But like I said, the basic submissions, rear naked choke, Kimura, armbar, you know, if, if those, if guillotines, so to speak, if people are seeing that who don't know jiu-jitsu all the time over and over again, and they see it in MMA and, you know, the likes of people like McGregor brought that, you know, pretty big. People are used to seeing mm. the groundwork a bit more now. So they'll come and watch it. And if it's easy to understand and every match is the same, I personally feel that's the way forward. That's the way to do it. Much like the dancing, some sort of chance for each submission sort of thing, like 180, start dancing and start making a thing. We get something <laughs> like that drawn up, who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> last couple of questions. These are the ones I wrap up all the podcasts with. First of all, thank you for your time for everything. Really enjoyed this one. Um, advice to competitors. So you're about to walk out to compete. Advice you give to yourself, that sort of way you get yourself sort before you walk out. What do you say to yourself before you compete? Play the game that I play in the gym. Don't don't be thinking, what's he going to do? Oh, shit, he's got a really good triangle. I need to stay out of his triangle. I need to do this. But you'll just end up, get, he'll be one step ahead of you. Yeah. Go first. Go first at what you're good at and try and put your game on them. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, you've trained for this. Just enjoy it. Fantastic. Um, Favourite victory slash commiseration meal after um competition? What On the services, where are you stopping on the way back from comp? What, 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 sorry, say again, please. <laughs> what is the celebration meal or the commiseration meal after a competition? What is like the oh. the, the, the craving? No, normally, I always want a couple of beers, a couple of beers after I've competed. You know, just, if it's a big comp, I'll stay, I want to have a drink and, you know, infuse, and it's just a few beers and then anything, you know, get down the chippy pizza or anything, anything like that, you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm always craving a couple of beers. <laughs> and if they're not now, damn. And last thing, advice to yeah. day one beginner, white belt, want to get stuck in, want to start, first day on the mats. What advice do you give them to get started on the right foot? Uh, it's changed a lot since my day. My day, we just, people just used to get smashed and then we used to see if they came back or not. It's changed <laughs> a lot now with the, um, with the, you know, the beginner classes as well. But it's, Listen, jiu-jitsu isn't for everyone and grappling isn't for everyone. It shouldn't be for everyone. If it was, then it'd be so watered down, it'd be untrue. Everybody can try it, but it isn't for everybody. So make your mind up pretty quick. Don't do it because it seems like it's cool. Do it because you like it and you enjoy it. Fantastic. Um, I've got a question through the Instagram thing from one of your students. When is he going to give his student Pappy his purple belt? I think that question <laughs> defaultly, you know, puts you back a year or so, I think. But either way. Uh, I'd say t- I think that's the second time he's asked. So he's on about three years now. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps getting pushed back. Uh, thank you for your time, my friend. <laughs> Regards to Grapple First, how can people stay up to date? Where can they find you? Yeah, mainly most stuff gets posted on Instagram. We do keep the Facebook page up too, but mainly on Instagram. The tickets are on there. The links are on there. All the stuff's on there. So it's, uh, yeah, pretty much get everything on the Instagram. Uh, we keep that up to date. And the date for the event? 26th of Feb. Fantastic. So be sure to get your tickets there, guys. Also, Fisticus podcast for all your Rush Guards gear and everything else. And yeah, take care, guys. Stay safe.